Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Manchester City have one foot in the next stage of the Champions League. They beat Mönchengladbach and it's pretty much job done yet again for Pep Guardiola's side. Also, some unexpected Europa League action last night, Tottenham comfortably winning their second leg tie against Austrian side Wolfsberger. Jose Mourinho's side through to the next stage of the competition. Can they translate their European form to Premier League form? Plus, we'll take a look at some of the other European fixtures tonight for the likes of Manchester United, Leicester and Arsenal. This is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new show every single day of the season. I'm Niall McCorn and with me today we've got a Scouser and a Scotsman, Steve McNaughton and JP Hughes. How are you doing guys? Tremendous. Hey, happy days. <laughs> I'm sure you're feeling a little bit better, JP, considering that Neil Lennon has now left the building. <laughs> I knew you were going to come out with that early. Uh, <laughs> Every single show we have to talk about Celtic in some perspective, so we, we thought we may as well get the news out of the way. We may as well get it out of the way early doors. Aye, so uh, look out, Steve, we're coming for Jurgen Klopp. Um, the big man's on his way. That big, uh, that big toothy legend Sam. would do well up in Glasgow. <laughs> Um, and if uh, if City <laughs> if City blow the Premier League uh, over the next few weeks and get kicked out the Champions League, we'll maybe take Pep as well. Um, who knows if if they put their applications Aye. in, I'm sure we'll consider them. But uh, no, in, in all seriousness, mate, a, a, um, a sad day. Uh, the, 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 it came to that, and, uh, and and a proper Celtic legend who I will always have the utmost respect for was left, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, by his paymasters when he was in need of being thrown a life jacket they turned away and pretended to be looking at something else so um, best of luck to Neil Lennon but uh, a bright future for Celtic here we go well as you say you're looking at Klopp you're looking at Pep but uh, I think Sean Dyche is leading the way isn't he in terms of bookies odds (laughs) (laughs) at the moment That's uh, the, the big Glaswegian like, really? stick on ginger goatee beards everywhere you go. I don't, I don't think he is Steve, but I think there's definitely been some uh, <laughs> some suggestions that Sean Dyche would be a good fit for the job. I tell you, I tell um, you, who would be good. I tell you, who would be good at Celtic. Rafa Benitez. 
Oh mate, don't. We've been teased with that one on a, on a few occasions. He would be absolutely out of this world. But uh, I, well, I, he's, I, he's available. I, I don't think Celtic would. Uh, well, in saying that, on a couple of occasions we've been with our backs right against the wall, and it's been forced to to to, to pull out the big guns. To their credit, they went and got Martin O'Neill, and then they went and got uh, they went and get Brendan Rodgers. So when uh, mm. you know the, the problem is they, they make a move like that, then they get complacent. But let's see. Uh, John Kennedy, Eddie Howe, Steve Clark, Frank Lampard, Roberto Martinez, Rafa Benitez, they're the leading contenders for the Celtic job. So it's kind of take your pick out of one of those, I guess, or it might be someone completely left field. Who knows? Anyway, I'm pretty sure Pep Guardiola is out of the equation, unfortunately for you, JP. He had other matters to attend to last night in the Champions League. His city side played Gladback, the Bundesliga team, and they won the game by two goals to nil. I guess, Steve, two away goals in the last 16 tie. You'd think with the way that City have been defending this season, uh, that should be job done for them and through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, for sure. Routine for City last night. You know, they were never really in any trouble, was they? Against a handy Mönchengladbach team. You know, when I, when I seen the lineup for um, Borussia Mönchengladbach, I thought there's a few tasty, um, you know, mm. names in there. You know, I'm talking about the kind of likes of, you know, Dennis Sakaria, who's got a lot of admirers from the Premier League, and Florian Neuhaus. And um, yeah. you know, last in Mateus Ginter and people like that. So I didn't think it was going to be mm. such a pushover for City last night. I thought they'd, they'd get a better game, but City have just got this this ruthless efficiency about them, haven't they? And I think when you're in that moment where I mean, my team has been in it last year and, and the year before. You just kind of you're just knocking these games off, and you're just welcoming all comers onto it, and they'll just they'll be thinking to themselves now, you know, if they score at the Etihad, it's over. Um, mm. You know, two 0 is still quite a dangerous scoreline in football, as we all know. Yep. But I just think that City have got no fears going into the Etihad uh, tie in a few weeks. Yeah, we we said this on yesterday's podcast whether we f- thought JP that Pep's approach would be just kind of blow Munch and Gladbach away, score as many goals as you can in the away leg, get that massive away goal cushion, and then you've not really got anything to worry about when you bring them back to your place, you know, to to, to finish the job in the second leg, so to speak. But Pep was quite um, rueful of City's yeah. wastefulness last night. They did score two, but he wasn't really happy with how clinical his side was. Does that kind of pinpoint what that game plan might have been? Do you think yesterday? Yeah, I think it does, and I think their game plan was was, was made uh, was made pretty clear when you saw the the, the ferociousness with which they, they they tried to get the ball back early, and I know that's been a, a, a bit of a hallmark of, of Pep's teams over the years. Um, but I, I read an incredible stat this morning that on average, um, City were forty seven meters from their own goal when they won the ball back. Now, what does that mean? It basically means they were winning the ball back on average in uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's half. Yeah, every single time they got yeah. it, mm-hmm. Aye, that's phenomenal, isn't it? You know, yeah. you think about uh, you know we talk about how high the line is that they press and where they do that, but they sh- and I know that the 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 Munchen Gladbach coach was talking about how he felt City closed down their space really really well. So I think that was I think that was definitely part of the game plan was to contain, condense. Um, and if you win the ball back, you know, and, and, and you're in the, you know, you're, you're sort of 30, 40 yards from your opponent's goal, you're only a couple of passes in behind them. And we know that City have got players all over the pitch who can make those passes. So I think it laid out that game plan pretty clearly and, and they executed it very well. I think Pep's just always going to, you know, he's always looking to, to, to get five or six rather than two. But mm. uh, it, 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 was, it was very impressive, I, 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 again, as it has been week after week. 
Yeah, we were asked a question by uh, one of the listeners yesterday on the podcast, which was, who do we think is going to go the furthest in the Champions League from all the English sides if it's not going to be City? Um, we didn't really discuss anyone else bar City. We, I think we all agreed that we think City will go the furthest. But Liverpool are still in the competition despite their league form, Steve. But from a Manchester City perspective, do you think this is their best chance to win the Champions League? Because we know they're going to win the Premier League. It seems a given already, still with months of the season to go. No one can see them relinquishing that lead that they've got at the top of the table but also there's always been this thing kind of hanging over Pep Guardiola as successful as he's been everyone always says that he was brought into the Etihad to win them the Champions League and although they've got to quarterfinals a couple of times they've never really kind of stamped their authority on the competition with the form that they're in domestically and obviously now 19 wins in a row after last night's win over Mönchengladbach do you think this is their best chance to go on and win the competition entirely? Um, there's a few few responses to that. The first response, I believe, they should be kicked out of the competition immediately, uh, and the, and and <laughs> and the reason for that is that disaster of a jacket that Pep Guardiola had on last night. I mean, that was an absolute shock. I mean, this is a guy that walks around in D squared and Stone Island stuff and that, but to be walking around with that Man City patch on the back of that jacket, they should be eliminated for the competition yeah. for, for crimes against the integrity of the Champions League. Um, it wouldn't have been too bad if it had like Motorhead or Iron Maiden or something yeah. stitched into the back, but um, um, Manchester City that, is not quite yeah, the same. Is it? I remember what they used to do back in the day, Steve. As well, remember they used to remember uh, people used to <laughs> a jacket. They used to sew like uh, like a beer towel. Yeah, remember beer towels used yeah. to be sewed yeah. on the back of jackets. <laughs> what? <laughs> Honestly, uh, see, see, like the beer towels used to get sitting in the bar to soak up all the spillage and all that. And they would like, Guinness or whatever they were. They used to get sewed on the back of jackets like that. Mental. Imagine if there was a football version yeah. of that, though. Pep would have City <laughs> stitched in the middle and then he'd have Barcelona and Bayern Munich around the edge. <laughs> Instead of your favourite bands, you could have your uh, favourite football Yeah, team. I just think that, um, I tell you what, though, when I was about 11, I had a Campri ski jacket with a, with an oh, Iron Maiden yes. somewhere in time patch on the back. It must have looked a f***ing <laughs> mess. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, now I- I'm going to tell you something here if you haven't already googled it as he's speaking Campri jackets were very very yeah. brightly coloured uh, they're like the purple uh, ones like purple it was and black green and all with, sh- all black with shocking pink writing down the arm <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, it looked great. But um, back to back to the questions. Um, There's one going for it, it, fifty quid on eBay, Steve. If you still got it knocking around, well, that was quick, mate. That was a quick bit of research. I'll uh, make a little note of that and have a little dig at it later. <laughs> um, yeah, City have got a great chance this year. I think it all depends. I don't know what side of the draw they're in. Whether they can avoid Bayern Munich until you know the final or, or, or something like that. But I can't see anyone out of the English teams going as far as City this year. I think that. Even though we got a decent result away, uh, you know, last week against Leipzig, um, you know, we've we've got Henderson ruled out for the season now. Um, you know, Allison has obviously had a had the bereavement. He's he's lost his father overnight, and um, I ju- we just haven't got the the resources to go far enough into this season. I mean, we're struggling to finish top four because we're just riddled with injuries. Um, so I just can't see it being our year in the Champions League. And I think it would be Liverpool or City would be the most likely out of the two. Um, and I think, you know what, I think, I mean, even though I get a lot of stick off Man City fans anyway that listen to this podcast, but I just think that when City do eventually win the Champions League, I think that will propel them into elite status as a club. 
Um, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, if you look yep. at, you know, the British clubs that have won it, um, you know, like your, your Liverpool's, your Man United's, your Chelsea's, your Celtics, um, your Aston Villas and your Nottingham, For- <laughs> Nottingham Forests um, of this world, you know, they're the really, really kind of big football clubs. And I think that City will um, go into that group of... of, of um, you know, elite clubs that have won it and can have the stars or whatever on it. And I think that that, that will be, I think it'll be job done for Pep though, that, you know, when, when they've, they've won the Champions League, I just think if they've, if he's won a handful of titles and all the domestic cups and the Champions League, there's not really a lot more for him to achieve there, is there? Well, the Champions League's eluded Pep as a manager entirely for 10 years. You know, he hasn't won it since he won it with Barcelona in 2011. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something that he wants to to kind of get under his belt another Champions League trophy for sure. We kind of discussed this, or at least I said this on yesterday's podcast, about what you were saying there, Steve, about the kind of heritage of Man City in Europe. I think that Man City over the last decade, with how they've won titles and how they've played the game, under Guardiola more specifically in the last five of those 10 years, they've kind of built this profile and they've become formidable under him and people actually fear playing Manchester City and they're like oh no we've got to go to the Etihad or we've got to play City this week whereas I don't think they quite have that same fear factor in Europe I can't imagine a side like Bayern Munich as good as City have been domestically being worried about playing Man City as much as they would do even Manchester United or someone like that or even a Liverpool you know so I think that there's definitely arguments to be had for that. And if they do win the Champions League this season, no doubt that that will propel them to elite status. I'm with you there. Mm. One of the players that impressed me last night and has done for the last few weeks, JP, Bernardo Silva. We've discussed about how good he is at close control um, on the half turn, finding space when it almost looks like there is no space. He had a bit of an off-season last year, but again, a goal last night and he seems to be on form again. Yeah, uh, very much so. A, a, A lovely footballer to watch. Very much in the the, the mould of the, the way that we know uh, the, the city team playing, Pep teams tend to do. Um, I think his his form probably followed City's form a little bit, um, and, and the way it's gone. But uh, a, a friend of mine last night uh, texted me before the game. He said, "Look at the city bench." Um, and when I had a quick scan down uh, who was on the bench for City last night and you read the names um, I just tweeted them back a gif of the Avengers <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's what it was like it was just like this, this, this list of superstars from, from you know, Mares and De Bruyne and everybody else that was all on there Aguero and all that and you're just laughing like, how is that somebody's bench um, and uh, and then you see that, that you know that you've got someone like Silva who comes in and fulfills that role and, 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 and does an absolutely tremendous job for the team, makes the difference in, in, in a really important game. But I think what, what it probably feeds into what Steve was talking about a little minute ago. I, I think this is City um, and Silva probably is, is quite a good uh, synopsis of this. Really, that it's probably the most adaptable and durable City team that we've seen under Pep. Um, that they they have more than one way to beat mm-hmm. you. Um, if you set out your game plan in a certain way to tackle them, then they will they will come up with something else. You know, you saw Arsenal do it last week, and I probably saw um, City hit more long balls and 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 front men than uh, than they've seen in a long, long, long time. But that's because they countered the way that Arsenal tried to nullify them. Um, and uh, and I think that adaptability, the durability, and the fact that you know you've seen Gundogan at times coming in and out and be the main man. You, you, we see Silva here doing it. We see De Bruyne doing it. We've watched Foden um, um, take on. They, they seem to be firing all cylinders right now and, and I think uh, the re-emergence of Bernardo Silva kind of captures that perfectly. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that Manchester City certainly can feel confident that they can go into the latter stages of the Champions League. They're halfway into the quarterfinals already, a 2-0 victory over Borussia Mönchengladbach last night. Also, European action in a different competition, a bit of a clandestine Europa League game on a Tuesday night of all times. Um, Usually Europa League's reserved for Thursdays. Anyway, Tottenham Hotspur in action completely passed us by on yesterday's uh, podcast, but um, watched the highlights yesterday uh, and and saw that Spurs played really well. They beat Wolfsburger by four goals to nil, the Austrian side. That's an 8-1 aggregate victory uh, and Tottenham are through to the next stage of the competition. Uh, there's probably not too much to be read into the fact that game's been played on a Tuesday. Or is there, Steve? How beneficial do you think that could be? Because it seems psychologically for some Premier League teams that playing Tuesday, uh, Saturday is is more psychologically advantageous, that, let's just say, than playing Thursday, Sunday or Thursday, Monday. I just think that playing a Tuesday night would be the way forward for me. I don't know why we can't run the Champions League and Europa League concurrently, you know, in, in, in midweek. I just think that um, having to travel to the arse end of nowhere on a Thursday night, I mean, you, you're talking, you could have like an eight or nine hour flight on a, on a th- you know, mm. to go and play a game on a Thursday night, travel back and arrive very early on a Friday morning, um, maybe not even have the chance to train properly before, before you know, you've got a, a game at the weekend. I just think that the Thursday stuff is madness and I think it devalues the competition as well because there's obviously a long, a long-standing joke about Thursday nights on Channel 5, isn't there? And, um, I, I mean, certainly if we end up in the Europa League next season, um, we will not be wanting to play on a Thursday and Sunday every single week. That will be a, a nightmare for us. So I think it's the way forward. But generally, when things are as straightforward as that and you can see a clear path into something that is better, you wait for the team to go the other way. So watch this space. It'll probably, they'll probably end up playing on a Friday and Saturday. <laughs> you think it's because probably broadcast rights, if anything, um, trying to squeeze as much money as possible. Um, if the Champions League's on a Tuesday, I think that you'll probably see the majority of people be watching that. Whereas there's nothing else on on a Thursday, so I think that's probably where the uh, probably where that comes in. Uh, what do you think, JP? Because we've seen a lot of this, particularly this season, uh, about the travelling, and even more so in these COVID times. That you know, you think about some of these trips to Spain and Germany that these English clubs would have had have actually ended up taking them to Hungary which is further away so you just just wonder what the logistics are and and the fatigue levels and the mentality of footballers when they are traveling um in between short periods of time to play games it's absolutely brutal there was a famous um a famous incident in Scotland a few years back when uh, when Aberdeen um in, in, in qualifying for the for the Europa League had to travel to Kazakhstan yeah believe it or not um, it's ten hours <laughs> to, to get there, um, and that's going <laughs> via London. Um, and 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 what made it so uh, so preposterous is it cost Aber. Now think about you know think about the finances we're talking about here in Scottish football. Mm. Um, what uh, I appreciate it's a Premier League podcast, but I think it's relevant that um, it, it cost a reported two hundred thousand pounds for Aberdeen to travel to charter this plane to get there. Match the the, the price um, uh, the match price for winning was a hundred grand. You know what I mean? It's twice as much to get there as you mm. get for actually winning the tie. It is absolutely bonkers, and I, and I agree with you know they seem absolutely determined, and and each to me everything they do is very very deliberate, and I, th- I think there are very few moves uh, that that are are, are are for the good of the game in inverted commas, um, and everything is all about how can they maximise revenue, and everything that they do is almost testing the water for 
moving to the European League that we know they, they, they're desperate to get to. Yeah. Um, I, I've kind I've, of I've bemoaned this many times in the podcast, you know, that they, they seem to want to take this approach where uh, I think even last week we talked about it and I was using the old bar one reference, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what they want to turn it into. Every city you go to looks the same, feels the same, the clubs all play the same. And then you've got these wonderful, mad, crazy, random clubs that come out of nowhere and uh, and give a little bit of spice to it and make it exciting. But by the same token, when you're talking about the sort of revenues and the impact that that can have in these businesses and these organisations, there's no two ways about it. It, 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 it really... As a player, it must be absolutely, especially if you're a regular on that side, it must be really energy sapping for them trying to come back in at weekends. And, and and then they end up putting out, you know, second-rate uh, teams to play in these games. It takes a bit of interest away from it. It devalues the competition. I do think the whole thing needs a complete rethink for top to bottom because it's getting a bit silly. They're going to add another UEFA league, aren't they? The Europa Conference League. Um, in seasons to come, so I don't know what that's going to entail. I guess <laughs> teams that finish eighth to ten, like say Yeovil Town and Charlton. <laughs> uh, I, 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 straight away, I just heard that, that you know that Vanarama jingle, but being sung in like Russian or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeovil or Kazakhstan, same sort of thing for me, if you're honest. Um, <laughs> uh, let's focus on the actual game. Tottenham won four goals to nil at home. You'd expect them to uh, uh, perform well against Wolfsburger anyway. Deli Ali and Gareth Bale both played well again as they did last week. Uh, we said that last week, Steve, might be a turning point for those two players, uh, particularly considering the rumblings over both of them in terms of their Tottenham futures and their relationships with the manager, Jose Mourinho. But again, you know, all you can do if you are selected is to play well, score goals, improve your confidence. And that's certainly what's been happening with these two players. I'm still waiting to see a little bit more from the likes of Bale and Ali, though, in the Premier League, because that's where Spurs are really suffering right now. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, both players, funnily enough, are, are very much confidence players, aren't they? You know, they like having the full support of the manager, but I think Jose's kept them at arm's length a little bit and he's, you know, thrown them under the bus a couple of times, hasn't he? Which he, which he has a habit of doing. But I just think they're both so good. There's no way they can't not enhance that Tottenham team by having regular minutes in it. Um, I know that the way Spurs set up doesn't always allow them to accommodate Bale, but we're talking about Gareth Bale here, who's won mm. nearly everything in the game, you know, certainly from a Real Madrid point of view. And um, I just don't get it. I, I think that, you know, utilising Alexa Deli Alli and Gareth Bale against essentially what is a team that are sitting sixth in the Austrian league, which is a bizarre setup in that league anyway. But, um, you know, the quality of opposition is so poor. And paying Gareth Bale the money and that he's on, you know, during this loan period. And getting Deli Ali fired in, it, they've got to just put them in the Premier League to see how they get on, really. Um, I don't read too much into them both having good games against uh, that type of opposition, in all honesty. Great goal from Gareth Bale, that has to be said. Um, showing signs of his uh, Real Madrid days, taking the ball in his stride, uh, well picked out by Deli Ali, and he just smashed it into the yeah. top corner. Um, but obviously, Spurs fans have been waiting to see that JP in the Premier League. And we haven't seen too much of Gareth Bale, you know, in terms of the way he's played in that manner in the Premier League. It just hasn't happened. We said last week's win uh, against Wolfsburger could kind of boost their confidence ahead of the weekend, but they still lost mm -hmm. in the Premier League not long after. So it's hard, I think, to, to come back around a week later and say the same sort of thing about Tottenham. It really is. And last week I, I kind of bemoaned <laughs> the passing of Gareth Bale and Jose Mourinho as credible forces in football. Um, and uh, and then lo and behold, what does he do? That He goes out and has a, the, the best game he's probably had in a Spurs shirt. <laughs> um, so I should probably just shut up and offer no, not, not bother offering any opinions on them. 
but maybe, maybe it is the fact that, uh, you know, we've talked about where is Bale, and I think this applies to Ali too, the, the, the desire uh, that sits within them. Is this, a, is this a desire issue? Is this something mental for them that they've basically just lost that edge? Um, and they find it quite comfortable sitting at a club like Tottenham where nobody really expects you to win anything anyway and if you do it's a massive bonus but then Josie was brought into windows so perhaps you know as we look at Spurs um, gradually um, you know I, I would say get worse and worse um, you know we, 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 they had quite high hopes only a, only a month or two ago um, maybe the problem isn't so much those two maybe maybe the problem lies with the manager and actually that uh, somebody else a, a different boss could get a, could get a tune out of those two what are genuine Bale certainly world class and Ali a tremendous footballer um, maybe a different manager gets a better tune out of them Agreed. I thought it was really interesting, uh, something that was discussed on one of our Premier League preview shows last weekend about Jose Mourinho, that part of his success, if not all of his success, was built on this aura and this mystique that he had when he came into Chelsea by sitting down in that first press conference and saying, I am the special one, after delivering two European trophies for Porto back-to-back. Then he immediately delivered two league titles for Chelsea. And, um, you know, even when he went to Inter Milan and Real Madrid, he was still the special one then. But when he went to Chelsea the second time and then he fell out with everyone at Chelsea, um, it felt that that was the turning point. Um, The kind of the veil was removed, the mask was removed. I don't think he's ever been the same since then. It's been really interesting reading his quotes from when he first went into Tottenham Hotspur, saying that he was really impressed with the squad. It's a top four squad. It's It's a squad good enough to win stuff. And now, considering that they're on a really bad Premier League run, he's been saying that the squad's not strong enough and they need some investment. Um, reading between the lines, not not directly quoting him, obviously. So, yeah, I'm not too sure what happens next with Jose Mourinho, but certainly wherever he is, there are talking points that always follow him around, that's for sure. Tottenham through to the next round of the Europa League. Spurs 4, Wolfsburg and nil last night. Time and to talk Europa League action for Manchester United, Arsenal and Leicester. We'll talk about it all next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Now, you might have noticed if you follow us on our social media pages that we've launched a brand new sports podcast network. The Sports Social Network is the UK's only dedicated place for sports podcasts. Loads of great shows on there, including this one, Football Social Daily. So if you are looking for something new to listen to during lockdown or wherever you are in the world, uh, go and check out the Sports Social Podcast Network uh, and find some of the other shows that we've got on there. And if you want to get involved, if you're a podcast creator, someone who makes shows uh, and you fancy joining the Sports Social Network, you can do. So go and check out the website sport-social.co.uk for a little bit more information um, and go and check it out and look forward to welcoming you to the podcast network. Time to talk football again, Europa League action for Manchester United tonight against Spanish side Real Sociedad at Old Trafford. Much like we said um, about Manchester City uh, being in front by two goals, Steve, United obviously got the job done in the first leg. They're basically through anyway. They've got a big cushion. So do you think this might be a chance for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to bleed in some of the Manchester United youngsters? They signed Ahmad Diallo from Atalanta in the summer, the 18-year-old, and he's yet to really show what he can do, particularly in the first team. He's had a few games in the under-23s. And also, 17-year-old Shola Shore Tire could start his first game for Manchester United. He's the uh, second youngest Premier League uh, appearance maker for Manchester United. 
seventh youngest of all time and you know he he's made some great strides as well so with the big lead in the Europa League that they've already got we could see some new faces for Manchester United tonight I think they'd be I think Holly would be mad if he didn't rotate wouldn't he and bring in some of the some of the um you know the the kids in that have done so well when they've been called upon so far um 4-0 is a really nice cushion I think even you know the under 23s could protect that scoreline so I think it is an opportunity and I just think that <laughs> I've watched him a few times and I'm still not sure about well, that Steve you know, yeah, I mean, yeah it was a generalisation you probably know more than me but um, I just think that uh, I mean what a great situation for all year like you know 4-0 against Real Sociedad who I said last week I know mugs themselves Um he can rotate and he can play the likes of um, you know Diallo and and, and Shaw Atari, um and have some of his big guns fresh for for the weekend. You know the Premier League at the weekend. I mean, I think it's a game he can probably afford to rest the likes of Bruno Fernandez. Um, and I just think, yeah, you know they look good. It's a competition that suits them. You know, and I mean that with the greatest respect to Man United fans listening. I think that where United have been in terms of tra- of a transition and in, in building the club back up to former glories, this is kind of a really good level for them, and it's a chance for them to get some silverware this season. Because like I said last week, you wouldn't back against them. You know, with the clubs that are, uh, are still in it. So I think, yeah, rotate, go and try and score. If, you, if they get another goal, it's over. Just cr- score a goal early doors get the kids on and uh, concentrate on the Premier League at the weekend. He was asked in his press conference, Steve, about Erling Haaland and the possibility of bringing him to Old Trafford. Um, and he actually said that the signings that he's made so far since he's been in charge of Manchester United have all contributed to the cause. Bruno Fernandes principally. Uh, and then Dan James has shown flashes as well. And there's obviously a couple of other players that have done all right since they've been brought into the club. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer obviously is Norwegian. Erling Haaland is Norwegian. He used to manage him at Molder. I mean, the player is in such good form for Borussia Dortmund and he is an absolute goal machine. He could pretty much choose wherever he wants to go. But his old man used to play for Manchester City. Um, do you think that Manchester United, with the Solskjaer factor, do have elevated status in terms of possibly bringing him to the club? Do you think there's anything that can be read into that? He said, Solskjaer, that he knows him, but you know who isn't going to be in for Erling Haaland at the moment with how good he is? I think there might be some in it. I think it depends on where if United, I mean, they will get Champions League football this season because they will finish in the top four. So, you know, if they can offer Erling Haaland Champions League football and if there's other investment going into players across the squad that makes Erling Haaland feel confident in the project, I don't see why there's any reason why United can't sign him. I think if they did sign him, it'd probably be bad news for Anthony Martial. Um, I think that would probably, you know, maybe see him leave the club or certainly have a loan spell somewhere because... The return they're getting on Martial is not good enough at the minute. Um, and I could see, you know, I could certainly see that happening. I think with the, the way United play, um, he would fit into that system that they operate. And um, I, I really rate him. I don't think he'd fit into my team's system because of the way that Liverpool play and the way that, you know, that 4-3-3 system that Jürgen is so rigid with um, and the types of players that, that are in that system. But I'd love him at Liverpool. He is an absolute goal machine. And I think whoever does get him, um, he's getting a player who will absolutely smash it. I think the Premier League will really suit him, um, you know, because it's a it's a decent pace. It's quite intense. Um, he likes scoring these absolute worldies from really tight positions, doesn't he? And um, and he creates a lot out of nothing. And um, and he for the big lad, he's got a bit of pace about him as well. 
Um, but I just think, yeah, why not? I think, you know, City will be in the market for a striker. They may look at him um, because they've been linked with Lukaku, haven't they? Because um, obviously Aguero is, is probably going to leave Man City at the end of the season. Um, and I just think, yeah, why not? Um, I think it, it'd be a good signing for him. Ollie's got the, the connection with him. If he did enjoy his time at Mould, he knows how Ollie works and, and how motivational he is and how he sets his teams up. And if he, if he can buy into it, like I say, why not? Well, one player we might see featured tonight for Manchester United, it's more than likely Marcus Rashford, JP, um, celebrating five years at the club today. Uh, made his debut in 2016 in this same competition against FC Mitchelland. It's been a remarkable five years for him. How would you sum up his career so far? That is a tricky one, isn't it? Um, let, let's get the first... Let, let's let's get the elephant in the room out of the way and, and we'll focus on the football. First and foremost, we, we know everything he's done off the pitch has um, proven that that, uh, that you know Premier League footballers can have a social conscience and he's done a huge job in making Premier League footballers uh, seem like likeable human beings again, which was no no uh, no easy task. That out the way, football. Um, <clears throat> I'm surprised that he's still only 23. It feels like he's been about forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really does. Um, I think his uh, his goals tally, if I, if I remember correctly, when I, I looked at it, was he's got about 85 goals and, and about 250-odd appearances at, mm-hmm. at the age of 23. So banging in about one in three. Um, but I think what has impressed me most about Marcus Rashford is his development. And I think if I was to sum it up in... Uh, in a sentence, it, it's that the best of Rashford is still to come. I think United are still to see the best from him. Um, I, I know that he's at 23, 24, and I, I know that Alex Ferguson famously used to say that's around the age that, that a player starts to reach physical and mental maturity, maturity. Not their peak by any stretch of the imagination, but where they start to mature. And I think we're starting to see that in the way that Rashford plays. Um, he is now capable of scoring all types of goals. He's capable of fulfilling different roles within the team. He seems like a very intelligent uh, and uh, again I've used this word several times, adaptable footballer. He seems you know he, he is he is very well suited to the modern game. I think he's the kind of coach that, that coaches with uh, with European pedigree and on the continent would really appreciate for a lot of the the, the, uh, the skills that he has. But the truth of the matter is um, when you're at Manchester United or Liverpool, um, if you don't win the league, you will never be considered a great. It's, it's as simple as that. So his, uh, his impressive flourishes, but could do better, probably sums up the five-year spell for Man United as much as it does for Marcus Rashford. Um, but as a man and as a footballer, I have the utmost respect for him, and I do genuinely believe the best of Rashford is still to come. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. You know, you say he's only in his early 20s, already 250 appearances for a club like Manchester United. I think he could be on course to double that uh, and maybe break some appearance records if he continues uh, to keep himself fit and things like that. Still work to be done, though, for Arsenal. They play Benfica. The tie is currently poised at one apiece. And you said last week, Steve, on the podcast that you think Arsenal might rue their missed chances. I mean, they can't afford to miss many chances like they did last week if they want to go through. I think that one thing that I... Arsenal have got in their favours. They've scored a, an away goal, haven't they? You know, a, a tough place to go. And, you know, the, the problem we've got with Arsenal is we don't know what Arsenal are going to turn up, do we? I mean, you know, looking at their league form, they've, they've won two in the last six, um, you know, three defeats and a draw. And if the right Arsenal turns up, you think they can get the job done. But if, if Arsenal uh, turn up where they're having a wobble, 
you, you can only see Benfica going through on aggregate, really. Um, and I think that Benfica in the past have been a really tough team to play in in, in the you know the European football. Um, they're not having the best season in the world, in all honesty. I think they're fourth in their league at the minute. Um, and I don't think they've got the the superstars that they've had in in previous seasons, haven't they? You know, looking down the squad, I think you know famous names are obviously Otamendi who was at City, uh, Vertonghen who was at Spurs, and um, Adal Tarab is is at, at Benfica, and uh, obviously the Brazilian midfielder Everton. But I just think that they just. I just think that, you know, it's going to be a grinding result, but I just think Arsenal have got to score early doors against this Benfica team and don't let the Benfica come into the game too much. Benfica have a bit of an issue with scoring. If you look at the league table at the minute, um, you know, the, the fourth, um, and I think the, the goal return isn't great across the 20 games they've played, so it, it might go in Arsenal's favour, but it, it literally is a pick tonight. You know, it, it could go either way, and I just think that, you know, the City... United, Liverpool, whoever probably would have finished this off in the first leg, but it's Arsenal and you just never know what you're going to get. Arsenal haven't really got much of a chance of qualifying for the Europa League, let alone the Champions League, JP, because they're having such an indifferent season domestically. So do you think they may as well put all of their eggs into this basket and, and just go for it? Because if they win the Europa League, they can get into the Champions League and yet maybe finish 10th or 9th in the Premier League. It's Quite a remarkable scenario if that does happen, but albeit unlikely. Honestly, mate, it never ceases to amaze me the way that the English clubs look at the Europa League as, as this sort of inconvenience. Um, uh, you know, pushing silverware aside for uh, for the, the the filthy green dollar. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely, man. If if I was an Arsenal supporter, um, then I would be one hundred percent back. You know. Abandon all else. This, this is it. This is your opportunity to to establish a bit of a reputation uh, again as, as a European force because you know you need to be a really good side to go on and win this Europa League. There's no two ways about it, and there's some tidy sides left in it. Um, but uh, your Arsenal, what what have, what have you done of, of any significance for some considerable time? Nothing. Go and win it, man. Go or, or certainly at least go and commit everything you have to try and win it um, because. Uh, it will make it a, a, a truly, you know, it goes down in history. You've won a European trophy. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, climbing up from, from 10th position in the Premier League to finishing 8th. Who gives a crap? Go win a trophy, man. That's what football's about. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Arsenal, go for it, man. And if they don't, I would... Uh, you've got to question the, the, the motivation mentality um, of... of, of claiming a couple of pieces up the Premier League over winning a European trophy. Yeah, I think they're still licking their wounds from getting battered by Chelsea in that Europa League final in Azerbaijan a couple of seasons ago. And I think that if there's a chance for them to put that record straight, then they'll definitely want to take it. Anyway, they take on Benfica, the Portuguese side tonight. The Emirates currently won a piece, finally poised to tie that one. It's also level pegging in Leicester's tie with Slavia Prague. I think, like you said in the uh, in the last section there about Arsenal, Steve, in terms of away goals, um, it's probably a better result in this game, Leicester versus Slavia, nil-nil in the first leg for the Czech side because there is no away goal. So all Leicester really need to do now is is go out and win the game. I think Leicester, uh, the king power against Slavia Prague won't be a problem. Yes, Leicester have had um, Madison pull up with an injury, haven't they, uh, last week? And mm. he, he might be, you know, not be involved in the game. But I think with the quality that's in that Leicester team and the level that they've stepped up to this season, um, I can't see them having any issues against this team tonight. I know this team, obviously, you know, to JP's chagrin, uh, put up quite a few passes at Celtic early doors, you know, um, this season. But 
Um, I, th- I think Leicester have got enough to get through comfortably, even if they rotate with a, with a view to the weekend. Um, Leicester, yeah, great side, and I think they can uh, they can do it tonight. Obviously, in the last game, there was a few. In the last game, there was a few sort of um, gripes from the Leicester supporters, JP, about the way that Slavia Prague played the game. They were a little bit streetwise. The dark arts, as uh, you sometimes mention on the podcast, I think were in full operation. Do you think Leicester are still finding their feet in Europe? I mean, it's only the second or third time in recent memory that they've been in European competition. Obviously, when they won the Premier League, they got to play in the Champions League. Uh, and I don't think they've been in the Europa League too many times since then. So... Do you think that there is a bit of a nuance in playing in European competition that you don't find domestically that Leicester is still perhaps learning? I think you make a very good point. Um, nuance is an excellent word, and that's that's what it is. It's not that it's a that it's a higher standard as such, or that you are playing um, different games or different styles. There's just these little nuances that come into it, and and, and there's the, the 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 mental side of the game, the psychological side of it, which is. Which is really big, and uh, I, I I always like it when you see uh, a European side <laughs> come in and they're kind of masters of the dark arts. I must admit, I I kind of enjoy it. There's a uh, there's that kind of twisted side to my nature where you like to see the naughty boys come in and upset upset <laughs> the rich kids. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, but I, I do think you made an excellent point there. Now I I think there is those little nuances, but I I also believe that they have an absolutely first class manager who will pick up on those very quickly um, and breed them into his team. And uh, we, we, we saw uh, how Leicester can, can can not only play, but can beat you in, in, in several different ways as well. As we, we talked about that with City earlier on. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there is a little bit of... Uh, I don't want to use the word naivety. That's not... I, I think we come back to that nuance again that you mentioned earlier mm. that they will pick up on. But I do think they're getting there. Mm. I do see them go through tonight. Um, and actually, I probably fancy Leicester to go maybe to the semis here in this tournament, if if not a little further. Yeah, I think we'll probably see English sides come up against each other at some point uh, down the line in the Europa League this season. Uh, I wonder how that will pan out. Leicester versus Slavia Prague, currently 0-0. And we'll find out, obviously, by tomorrow, who is in the next round of the competition. We'll obviously talk about that then on Friday's podcast, but time for another quick break. And uh, we'll be back after this on Football Social Daily with some fantasy Premier League chat. You don't want to miss it. See you after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sport Social Welcome back to Football Social Daily now as you probably know we love a little bit of fantasy Premier League here on the podcast and if you are an FPL player you'll know that this weekend's deadline is very quickly approaching that's why we've been speaking to Game Week Podcast's Matt Dyson about the best fantasy picks for this weekend's action he caught up with Jim not too long ago Cheers, Niall. Yes, it is fantasy football chat time. And as always, Matt Dyson from Game Week Podcast is with me. How you doing, Matt? Hello, Jim. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. So how is your fantasy football 
going since the little influx of fast games have you been doing um, all right yeah i did all right last time out 78 i got the average was 55 i'm quite happy with that i captained rafina he got me 24 points so even i was a bit annoyed after the first game where he didn't do anything and they they lost to wolves but even though he didn't get a goal or assist he still got two bonus points and you know you have a special player mm. who doesn't contribute to the game but still gets two yeah, bonus yeah. points i mean it's it's a ridiculous thing really I'm not sure how you can manage to get bonus points but he's looking like he's man of the match every game at the moment so I was very pleased with popping him in for that double and yeah I'm doing all right really things are on the up green arrows are plenty he's a great little player that Rafina flat fella 15 million oh. I think he cost Leeds as well yeah. in the summer could be player of the season in terms of transfers in yeah, I mean, he doesn't often blank as well, so I was quite annoyed to get him in the one week where he did blank. But he's but at a 5.4 million, I just I don't understand why he's not in everyone's squad. Sorry, I, I started talking about it. proper football then rather than fancy football, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me about a real transfer, Sums. Come on. <laughs> right. On the game, he's 5.4, which is a ridiculous valuation, isn't it? But you, like you say, yeah. you, you just highlighted how his valuation is so low. I suppose because he was untested in the Premier League, you know, and they may have spent a lot of money on him, but he was just 5.4. He's going to be at least two million more than that next season, without a doubt. I captained. I went on the double double games week for a few teams. I went for yeah, uh, yeah. Danny Ings, which was a huge mistake. Oh dear, yeah, he was one of my options actually. I very nearly did double uh, uh, captain the double Danny Ings, but he didn't even start the second game. No. I'm finding him incredibly frustrating at the moment, Danny Ings. And I know as soon as I get rid of him, he'll start scoring. But well, please um, do it quickly so I can get benefit yeah. from your decision. But the, the, the thing is, they have got another double coming up. So I, I now I keep getting, I keep keep keeping him for doubles mm. at the moment. So. Southampton, uh, even though he's not delivering. But, um, yeah, so I'll probably stick with him for a little longer, perhaps. Right, well, let's get on to these questions that have come in via the Sports Social social media. As always, the Sports Social on Twitter, Sports Social Official on Instagram. You can find us there. You can ask your questions to Matt every single Wednesday. First one comes from a podcast that has joined our newly created Sports Social Podcast Network, which is a collection of some of the best sports podcasts out there you can find that just search sport-social.co.uk follow the links you can see all the podcasts that have signed up but let's talk football who are among that group say nice. best captain that isn't spurs Salah okay or bruno Oof. or someone else i think you're allowed to throw a different candidate can in the I, yeah so he specifically doesn't want to go with us but i suppose spurs are a bit dodgy at the moment I mean, aren't they? he's obviously not talking about harry run. kane isn't he because there's, no, there's no one else in that spurs team that you're going <laughs> to no, potentially make son's son's not quite firing on all cylinders at the moment but what a great double they've got burnley mm. at home full them away if they don't turn around their fortunes in that it's going to be a big surprise so but he wants to stay away from that i mean bruno fernandez is always an option of course isn't he he very rarely blanks if we're talking about players that rarely Blanking away from home, he seems to be better than he is at home. So they've got Chelsea away, then Palace away. You'd imagine he's going to deliver in those. Uh, was it Mo Salah is other option? I mean, yeah. I'm, I've, I'm sort of I'm well. I've moved on from Mo Salah. <laughs> I find picking any Liverpool players at the moment uh, really quite uh, worrying. Uh, they're just uh, they're just not in the zone in any way, shape, or form at the moment. So I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be captaining Mo Salah, even though one of his games is away at Sheffield United. Expensive, I guess, to take a chance on, isn't he? Because he's what is he? I don't know, thirteen million, something like that, in the game. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. He is twelve point six million. That's right, Jim. So he's he's a very expensive person to have in. And when that front three aren't at the races, which they, I mean, at the moment they're just. 
he's the only one that's really delivered in the past month or so, most seller. But still, I think there are better captain options out there. Uh, I mean, who am I looking at captain in this uh, uh, this week? Always Bruno Fernandez, but I feel like I've done that too much recently. So uh, what what I'm looking at is Harvey Barnes. Wow. Um, he <laughs> is seriously Jim you need to see it coming mate. he is <laughs> he is on fire this boy he looks like he's going to score in every game he plays if you watched him recently he is he is ridiculous so confident on the ball constantly having a dig uh, beating defenders dribbling for fun he's had in his last two he's got um, 25 points in his last two game weeks so if that sort of form carries on and he goes into his double where he's playing Arsenal at home and then Burnley away which I fancy him to carry on his scoring run so I'm going for a left field (laughs) it would appear by your reaction (laughs) potential choice of Barnes but then now thinking about it the sensible but boring option is to stick with Bruno. I like the Harvey Barnes option. Real differential territory there as well. No one else is going to be exactly. doing that. Exactly. Well, like no, I, I mean, I think, he, you know, he is one of the form players in the league mm. at the moment. So that pe- more people should be doing it. He's only owned by 13.9% of people at the moment and at 6.9 million. He's an absolute bargain. In that Leicester team, there's a lot of good options at the moment, though. Another question off Twitter, off the aptly named FPL Slow Chaser, who got in contact and said... I'm already on minus eight points for next week. And he's supplied a screenshot of his team as well. So I'm giving you that to look at. He says, if I bench boost, I'll have Bamford, Rafinha, who we talked about a minute ago, and Dallas on the bench. Should I make it minus 12 and move Dallas off for sure? So obviously he's playing to play his bench boost. So he needs to make Mm. the most of that as possible. What is your view on his decision? Um, Well, yeah, I suppose... there's not much point having a bench boost if none of these teams are, are playing twice mm. and Leeds aren't playing twice. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm wary of spending that much points on transfers because losing 12 are to you me a, are seems you a like madness. Are you a point spender when it comes to transfers? I'm not. I have been well, in the I, past. I don't, I don't think I ever have been. I've never been a splurger, but this season, more than ever, I'm finding I'm just sticking to the one free one, maybe two free ones if I've got them saved up. But I'm rarely going... I've not been over four. I've not been over minus four once, so mm. I'm very wary of doing it. I often find it's just never worth it, uh, especially if you're talking defenders, because their clean sheet can go in an instant, and then you're like, well, what was the point of signing that defender and taking a four-point hit? Uh, so I'm, I'm very wary of defenders. I, I don't know if this is the right time for him to play his bench boost. I often like to play a bench boost pretty much like the week after a wild card when you've got a really strong squad with strength in depth and then you know that your bench players are going to be playing in the team at the time and they're they're all everyone in your squad is getting games uh so yeah but i mean if fair enough if he wants to do it but uh and i still fancy leads at home to aston villa but just the one game i'd 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 prefer to have uh, a bench full of people that are playing twice if I was going to play a bench boost in a double game week. So hold off for now, potentially, and certainly don't go spending four points to bring in Luke Shaw. Uh, yeah, I mean, Luke Shaw's doing quite well on the old assist front this season, isn't he? But, mm. I mean, uh, it's, um, I, it's... I don't know if it's worth taking a hit to bring him in with Chelsea away coming up and then Crystal Palace coming up. They've got even more hard games on the horizon. The Man- Manchester derby on the 7th of March as well. So... I'm not sure it's worth a break in the bank to bring in a Manchester United defender at this stage. Final question comes from Danny Kay, who says, who do I replace Jack Grealish with now he's injured? Considering Traore, but I'm very much open to ideas. Look, uh, uh, to be honest, 
I would say Harvey Barnes, obviously, because he's my he's my man of the moment. President but, of his fan club, yeah, but, <laughs> or some kind but of commission. Other, but obviously Madison in that Leicester midfield as well, also banging form mm. at the moment. But the main thing I'd say is is Jack Grealish not going to be playing against Leeds? Question: He may well be. We need to wait for an update on the situation with Grealish with this mystery injury that he got, and then all the Aston Villa players gave it away on on their own fantasy football teams because they took him out. You see that in the news now. Football clubs oh. are are being told they cannot, they should not play fantasy football. Fantasy football has become big news this week. It's amazing. People taking it very seriously because. People found out from the Villa players and coaching staff, from their fantasy football selections, they thought, oh, look, they're all getting rid of Grealish. What's going on? Grealish must be injured. Uh, lo and behold, Grealish was out injured. I didn't and see they'd that. Found out, they'd found out beforehand. And like Aston Villa are saying, I'm not sure we should be playing fantasy football <laughs> if you're a professional footballer because you're giving away secret information about the team, which is amazing mm. and fascinating stuff that the fantasy football is being spoken about so seriously. But it could be like, used not, like you can see Alex Ferguson back in the day. He would have been yes. trying his mild game, <laughs> yes. like dropping oh, wow. Van Nistelrooy from his team. When I actually love he's it. Fit. <laughs> he says, actually, I don't, I don't, he didn't care about his team's performance. He was just doing it to mess with Arsene Wenger's <laughs> head. <laughs> he's like, you know, oh, here you go, have a piece of that, Arsene. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? But um, I, 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 um, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Who replaces Jack Grealish? <laughs> I think Grealish is going to be back. That's what that's oh, right, what okay. I was going to say because I think he's apparently could be back for the Leeds game. So I'm not I'm not in a massive rush. I wouldn't be to replace uh, Jack Grealish, but I mean, a one option to replace him with, as well as aside from Leicester midfielders who I'm just banging on about constantly, and aside from Rafinha at Leeds, uh, is um, well, I suppose a decent, if you're looking at who's got good doubles, I think Everton have got quite good doubles coming up in this uh, in this game week. Two, two decent games for Everton. Um, if you look at there and then also with West Ham in the form they're in uh, you've got to say Jesse Lingard looks like one of the one of the players of the moment as well you must be loving life at the moment Jim I mean I, it seems to not really matter who you're playing uh, it looks like Jesse Lingard will score against them it seems it's crazy I, I expect the bubble to burst excuse the pun at any moment and I'm convinced West Ham are still in danger of relegation at this present time so I'd never <laughs> I'd never the, back a West Ham player but you're in the top four aren't you the top four is not since 1986 it's unbelievable absolute insanity but if, yeah if, so if, I would if say... ever there was a sign of the apocalypse forget the coronavirus or the floods we've had West Ham being in the top <laughs> four is, is the apocalyptic symbol we've been waiting for yeah, so I mean, yeah, anyway, but seriously, I, I'd say either Jesse Lingard, perhaps Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, he's mm. creeping in with yep. the odd goal now. And with these games against Southampton at home, then West Brom away is what they've got. Uh, he could be good. James Rodriguez could be a good option around the same sort of price as Grealish. But I think Grealish may play against Leeds, so maybe hold off on hold off on selling him until we get an update from uh, from Aston Villa. Top advice as per Matt, you can find Game Week Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Game Week. You're on Twitter as well. Where's the Twitter handle, Matt? At Game Week HQ, we are. So you can go and check it out there. You can get your questions in via there or you can get them to us on the Sports Social. We'll put them to Matt next week. Nice one, Matt. Cheers, Jim. And back to Niall. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks, Matt. Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Steve. Oh, you're welcome, mate. And JP, thanks very much. I know you've got something you want to say before we uh, finish off the show. Yes, mate. You know that I'm always on here and I'm probably boring people about Scottish football every time I bring it up. But I'm going to switch that and I'm going to talk about Scottish music for a wee minute. 
Mogwai, the band Mogwai, been going 25 years, completely on their own steam, never signing to major labels, never putting out music that, that, just to try and get it on the radio, doing their thing. And they are right on the brink of getting the number one album this week. They're in there just now. It's super tight. So everybody, anybody, if you care in the slightest about independent music, about artists doing their own thing, and about raising the standards of music that people in the general public hear, get out there, stream, buy, get your hands on this Mogwai album as the love continues. Let's get it to number one. Robert Smith from The Cure's been backing it on Twitter, Irvin Welsh, even Elijah Wood, bloody Frodo is trying to get this to number one. <laughs> if, if, if a hobbit, if you can't get to number one with the backing of a, a hobbit, a mystical creature, I don't know when you can. Do it, folks. You will reap the rewards in heaven. Cheers. <laughs> Very good. Best of luck to Mogwai. We'll catch you on tomorrow's show. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.